0: This is the Last Minute Blues Podcast with Donnie Fandango, Jeff Burton, Alex Ferrario, and former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers. It is the Last Minute Blues Podcast. Donnie Fandango in studio with Jeremy Rutherford uh, to talk about all things St. Louis Blues. Uh, JR, uh, happy Tuesday to you, Duder. Happy Tuesday to you, Donnie. How you doing? Well, um, first of all, i got to address a couple of things here uh, at the start of the the podcast. (laughs) After the podcast that... Alex and I did last week, where we did not talk a ton about hockey. We talked about Jeff Burton's daughter's wedding and some Disney stuff. Uh, There was a couple of people that did not appreciate that there was not much hockey on that
1: podcast. Uh Uh-oh.
0: Listen, guys, I apologize, all right? This podcast started, obviously, as a hockey podcast, but we do a fair share of messing around at the same time. And so on that particular episode, I didn't really have a ton more stuff to talk about the Blues power play, and I just kind of went with what Alex and I were getting chatty about. So that, I apologize, and I will absolutely do my best going forward to make sure that it is hockey-focused with little spurts of whatever here and there, all right? Also, now this next one, a little more serious. There is a guy on Twitter, X, whatever you want to call it these days, and he is obsessed, obsessed with telling me on a game-by-game basis why Jordan Cairo is not the answer, he's the wrong guy, we're paying him too much. Dude, stop, okay? <laughs> like, I get it. I understand it. I understand you're, where you're coming from. I understood it 40 games into the season last year, okay? Okay. But what I think that you're ignoring is a young man with a bejesus ton of talent that I don't think people are going to be super eager to give up on ever. So I understand you're going to throw plus minus at me after the game tonight or whatever it else that he does wrong. But, dude, I disagree with you. Please stop. I understand your point. You have made it literally (laughs) almost every game since – but I think the idea that Jordan Cairo is somebody that needs to that doesn't need to be here or needs to be moved or needs to be traded, I think is it I just think it's silly. I think it's wrong. I think it's I, I, you know what I mean? I mean yeah, I, no, for I, sure I, I don't even understand I I mean, I get some of the basis and frustration, but man, like we see learning curves in every single young player, all of them. They all have to figure their way. I would love to see plus minus early on on Connor McDavid for the love of Pete. You know, or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, it's just I don't
1: particularly understand this hate fascination. Well, a follow-up on two uh, quick points here on what you're saying is, number one— uh, talking about veering off path, sometimes I do these radio hits on 101 ESPN, of course, with the different shows throughout the week. And Donnie, you'll get like uh, two minutes, three minutes into the hit, and I'm like, "Oh, we haven't talked about the blues yet." <laughs> and you're having fun, and you know, it's it's you know, to us, it's entertaining. I don't know if it is to the to the listeners sometimes, uh, but yeah, there's sometimes where you look for a transition, like how can we get this back to the blues? Right. But, but uh, you know, you talk so much hockey every single day, and you don't want to get into the weeds with the stats. I feel like when I do the hits on 101, uh, you want to tell stories, you want to tell behind the scenes stuff and i feel like we do that with the podcast sometimes and to me that's more interesting than breaking down the stats well so- because
0: and because also not to interrupt you jr but like guys please understand like my role here okay please i am a fan that's i mean i am not an expert do you like the blues? I, 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 <laughs> but you know man like you and 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 alex are studying Corsi ratings and all that stuff after the game i'm not doing that you know what i mean so like i you know, man, part of this, a giant, massive part of this to me is hockey, but some
1: of it is just me, you know, hanging out with the dudes, talking a little crap. For sure. And it's funny that you bring up the Kyru thing because yesterday I put together uh, blues at the 20 game mark. And what do we know about the team? And I felt like there were six or seven decent storylines to follow uh, Kyru being one of them. So I wrote probably about a hundred word paragraph on Kyru, right? Well, as I wrote it, and I was being I, – I think he can be something. I really do. Yeah. And is he there yet? No. But I still feel like he can be, you know, I don't want to say a superstar, but a star. And so yesterday, Donnie, as I'm writing my sentence – i write it out and i go wait a minute this kind of needs a little disclaimer on the top of it so (laughs) my disclaimer was while some of you may disagree come and sure as you know what uh people in the comment section oh he's gonna be nothing did you see his plus did you see this and okay listen he scored 37 goals in the national hockey league last year you don't do that on accident i've told you guys this on the podcast before that so many nhl coaches ken hitchcock andy murray have told me over the years. Once you've done it, once we've seen it, you can do it. Like there's no, you don't put it back in the bottle. You can do it. So we just need to see it from Cairo. I understand where the people are coming from. I see the lapses too. I see yeah. the, I see when he shoots, and and it should have been a pass or vice versa. I see that. I, I see when he doesn't get back on defense. I see all these things. But I still look at a guy. Who's learning the defensive game, maturing, listening to the coaches? He's adapted this year. And yeah, his offense hasn't been there. But like I said, that never, that doesn't go away. You still have it, you still possess it. I think we'll still see it.
0: Boy, and I mean, guys, like, to me, okay, if I can bring an analogy from another sport, I feel like this is like a Randy Arena sort of situation where we trade this guy way before he's given an opportunity to prove himself. And then once he gets the opportunity to, I don't know, be out of his head or mature a little bit, whatever the case may be, then you get to see that player and you're just going, oh, my God. He could still be wearing the note or He could still be wearing a, a Cardinal jersey. I just, I think that's one thing, man. And maybe it's just means me have, have gotten older, and maybe just having all the conversations with Jamie. But like, I am just so hesitant to like give up or or throw in the towel or trade somebody thirty seven goals last year.
1: Yeah, and Donnie, let's talk about the contract for one second because this is something that gets under my skin a lot. You because I have to listen to. A lot of people say, well, he's not worth $8.125 million. Okay, yeah, he is not playing like an $8.125 million player, but here's the deal. Let me give you an example. Uh, In the NHL, now that they have the salary cap, you know, go back to to 2005, 2006, you have to do a lot of projecting. You're trying to fit an entire team under whatever, $82.5 million. And if you have a young guy who has shown the talent that Jordan Cairo has shown, you kind of have to say, okay, His unrestricted years are coming up pretty soon. We've got to get him locked in. What has he done so far in the league? And if you take those numbers and you compare it to all the good young players in the league, Jordan Kyrou's numbers are right there, points per game, right there with some of the top under 25 players in the league. So if you're Doug Armstrong and his capologist, Ryan Miller, assistant GM, you're saying, okay, what is this going to be worth five, six, seven years down the line? And it comes out if you look at the contracts around the league, to $8 million. That's what it is. So here's your alternative. You can say to yourself, okay, we're going to wait. We're not going to sign Jordan Kyrie to that contract yet. We want him to prove it. Well, guess what? He gets a year or two closer to that status, and look what Matthew Kachuk did in Calgary. He went to the team, he had the numbers, and he said, I'm not going to sign here. I know it's different situation, Kachuk in Calgary, Cairo in St. Louis, but Cairo had the ability, if he continued to put up those numbers, yeah. to say, look, I'm just not – sign in here. Yeah. Trade me. That's what Kachuk did. And Kachuk went to Florida, and what did he do? He led Florida. So if you don't pay those players what their numbers say they're worth across the league, and you don't do a little projecting and risk-taking with a Jordan Cairo, then that's what's going to happen. You're going to get into a situation where he says, yeah, you got me for one more year, and then I'm basically going after that. Yeah,
0: yeah. You know, um, this, uh, we talked about this I think a couple of episodes ago, but I think the game was either last night or the night before. The world needs and I mean needs maybe not the world I need <laughs> a playoff series with the Kachuk brothers I need it I want it we all want it oh my god How amazing would that be to see
1: those two going after each other for a series that mattered? Holy cow! Well, first of all, you said the world needs it, and then you said I need it. (laughs) To to me, you are the world. Whenever you say I need it, I I always think, like, the world needs it. Thanks, man. So that's how I look at it. Dude, how entertaining would that be? Listen, um, in in the years that they've been in the league and played each other, I've never seen them kind of snip at each other. I know that game last night, Ottawa, Florida was just bonkers, right? How about the referee coming out? And everybody else on the ice gets 10 minutes. (laughs) Uh, But uh, so I saw the snippet video where they show kind of Matthew and Brady jawing at each other a little bit as uh, I think it was Brady was skating. Um, But I've never seen that. And they had grandma and grandpa in the crowd too. And, you know – One day maybe we'll see these guys drop the gloves or, you know, throw at each other a little bit. I don't know. I know they're trying to avoid it. They don't want that to be the storyline. They don't want to go at it. Um, but Donnie, I gotta tell you this, and, and when I say this, you know, I'm not trying to you know, you're blessed to be able to go over and sit with these guys at their house every once in a while to write a story. And here goes Brady through the kitchen. He's got a bowl of cereal and here goes Matthew, he's going out in the backyard to cut the grass. Like It's just amazing to me to then flip on the TV and see these guys in opposing uniforms just jawing with each other. And
0: you know what? The thing is, man, I don't really want to see them fight. I mean, I wouldn't hate that or whatever. But, like, (laughs) I just want to see them play. I just want to see them play knowing that their brother is on the other side. You know, and and I don't think that it would ever be like malicious or anything like that. I would hope that it would not be that. I just think that the
1: intensity—holy Toledo! Yeah, and what they bring to the table—not only individually, but the, it's contagious with them that their teams play like that. That's why I don't feel like it's any shocker last night that we saw what we saw right. with with those two teams because they're leaders on those teams. That's why Brady's the captain. In uh, in Ottawa, and, and every time you hear Brady Kachuk or, or Matthew Kachuk, they're either scoring a skilled goal or they're you know their steam boiling from right. their ears and their hair is all discombobulated. <laughs> right. Like right. it's amazing what they bring to the table. And when I talked to Matthew for a story a couple months ago, he goes, "I'm just so glad that we can prove that our style of old type of hockey can still be successful in this league." And it is with both of them.
0: I'm going to end up buying a Kachuk jersey.
1: <laughs> like I, I hear that and like that just. Ah,
0: It's just so amazing. Hey, uh, real quick, we'll talk about the Blues here again in a second. We better. Uh, Oh, we better. (laughs) Twitter says. Hey, man, that Jacob Truba thing the other day, I am not understanding why he did not get suspended for that. I do not understand. And also, and if you did not see, you could just go to JacobTruba.com you know probably the first like, thing that pops out, right. right but like w- to me this is a guy that not only did something that is completely reckless and dangerous and absolutely deserves to be fine and suspended for it and i mean i feel like a sizable suspension but also
1: doesn't he have a pretty like lengthy history of this kind of nonsense well, a couple things. First of all, I think that his history is laying some big hits, which okay. a, lot, a lot of them have been legal. Uh, I'm trying to think back, see if there's there's probably been an illegal one there too. But, but for the most part,
0: they're just big hits big that hits. might look worse than yeah, they truly are. I'm not familiar
1: okay. with the, uh, the stick infractions. Okay, so I, I got to be up front here: is I've watched the replay, I saw the headline that he got fined, I've seen the outrage of people saying "find," you know, right. look what he did here. But I haven't really heard much of an explanation as to why it happened in terms mm-hmm. of the context on the ice. But i got to say, when I watch it, what in the wide world of sports is going on? Yeah. Did he just swing his stick yeah. at, at Frederick's head and, and it looks as so right and then so when you see the five thousand dollar fine and i think truba said something like yeah i just don't know what happened well i don't know what happened that's the way we have the video and then he said i think i deserve the fine i'm like you think <laughs> like like it looked like willie mcgee up at the plate swinging at strike three dude it
0: was it was it was just so i don't know man just so blatant I think is what the is what I think it is more than anything else, and also too. I'm just going to say this right now. Um, there, and I don't want you to turn around, Jamie, or Jeremy. But there are a couple of people that are trying to get into this studio right now to give us free food, and they keep staring at me, and I am literally about to lose my mind. <laughs> let them in.
1: Let them in. Let I'm, them I, in. I don't understand. I, here?
0: I don't understand why it doesn't look like we're clearly working and don't need to be bothered right now. <laughs> we
1: need to be bothered. What is it?
0: <laughs> but I, 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 well, I'm I, kidding. I, well, I'm not even even saying that it's not good i'm sure that it's good i'm just saying that like you know we're trying to get something done here yeah. work-wise and that seems to be a little distracting and maybe not what they're supposed to be doing okay you keep talking i'm gonna open the door <laughs> I'm kidding. all right they're walking away <laughs> finally <Like>, gee many freaking christmas man <sighs> you know i am not done a week in rage on the riz show in a while and i gotta tell you that i think that it's coming
1: <laughs> I, 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 think, I that, think we're doing one right now. I, I, just, <laughs> I just, I
0: just, I just, there is just, I. Uh, <laughs> there's just so much silliness that goes on and then like you're supposed to be like oh no I'm fine with the silliness but uh anyway also and I completely forgot to mention this from the start Jamie and I are out tomorrow night Twin Peaks we will be there at the Maplewood location from six to eight we're gonna do a uh, episode of the last minute Blues podcast live the food there is fantastic the drink there is great so I guess this is going to be um I don't know a podcast of me chewing with my mouthful which people might actually like more than me talking about Disney
1: movies or whatever the heck that I'm gonna I go out there and turn- Try to get your attention while you're recording.
0: <laughs> but seriously, like if I see somebody recording in another room, I'm not gonna start waving my arms <laughs> trying to get somebody's attention. What is going on here? Shitty <laughs> freaking Christmas. All right, so um, lots of things going on in the NHL. Uh, one of the things that we woke up to this morning. And literally has to be one of my least favorite players in the history of mankind. Uh, Patrick Kane signing with the Detroit Red Wings. <laughs> so that has got to be a, 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 that has got to be a very good thing if you're a Wings fan because you've got to think, or at least I would. Hey, man, this dude's not coming here and signing here unless. We've got an outside shot of making some noise.
1: Right, and if you're a Blues fan, you have to love this, too, because uh, obviously Patrick Kane, a lifelong Chicago Blackhawk, and now he's playing for the hated Detroit Red Wings. Yeah. Like, granted, in, in St. Louis, you know, not a lot of Wings fans either, but in Chicago it's pretty rough, and, and to see their uh, their son there putting on that <laughs> Detroit winged wheel, pretty tough day for a Blackhawk fan. But oh, it breaks my heart, yeah, too. Yeah, it breaks your heart. Just a lot. But, hey, listen, so – Obviously, when he went to the Rangers and towards the end of his Chicago career, too, he just wasn't the same, right? And they gave up uh, you a know, pretty good price to get him in New York, and, and uh, it just didn't work out with he and Tarasenko and the rest of the gang. They lose in, the, what, the first round? But now, Patrick Kane, he went and had the hip surgery. And I don't know if you've seen these videos from the past few months, but his agency's put out some videos that have shown him working out, and it's pretty impressive. Yeah. And, look, we've seen guys come back from hip injury. I mean, uh, I think uh, Jay Bolmeister, uh Marco Scandella. When you come back, uh, Oscar Sundquist, these guys come back from these hip surgeries, you know, they can look two or three years younger in terms of their play uh, because that's how much it was bothering them. So you get a Patrick Kane out there who, you know, we've already seen what he can do throughout his career, and now he's a healthy guy, and you've seen the videos where he's he's really getting after it. I think he can really help this uh, Detroit team. And, and they're kind of on the upswing, right? So they've been going through this rebuild since, yeah. like, 1906 or something <laughs> and, and playing better. You know, they get uh, St. Louis's adopted son, David Perron, who, yeah. oh, by the way, had to be ex- ecstatic to see uh, Kane coming yeah. to the to the Detroit Red Wings. But uh, I know Steve Eisenman's been catching a lot of grief, even though, you know, he is uh, one of those guys that he just walks on water, right? But he's been catching a lot of grief on how long things are taking. But he's getting them to that point now, and they're Playing some good hockey and now they had Patrick Kane, so that's a big addition.
0: Man, if Steve Eiserman was my GM, I would just buckle up, <laughs> put my feet up.
1: As you put your feet and up. And just here in the enjoy studio. the ride,
0: man. Because, like, again, like I feel like and, and maybe not the same as Doug Armstrong, but you know, man, there's a proven track record there of somebody doing a hell of a job with another
1: organization.
0: Yeah. Detroit fans. You got your Lions to be happy about, let the Red Wings percolate, and then you can have this all going at the same time.
1: <laughs> hey, hey, Donnie, you know how you always talk about being a fan, right? Well, yeah. I grew up in St. Louis. So I was a Blues fan. Never in a million years did I think I was going to cover hockey or even cover the Blues or anything like that. But I grew up a Blues fan, and and so now you're in this situation. And one time, I was walking down the hallway with kind of a small group of people, but Steve Eiserman was one of them. He was walking towards, I think it was the Tampa Bay locker room. And I must have said something to him, dorked out, and said something about the goal, you you know against the blues and he just kind of looked at me He was like okay yeah, okay <laughs> <laughs> like so it didn't turn into too much there I probably embarrassed myself hey don't bring up that but uh you know what, what that's imprinted in your brain right when you're a St. Louis yeah kid. man
0: I, I just remember too it, being younger I disliked him so much like I didn't have the full scope of Of how great Stevie Y was I just saw him and his wings Constantly coming in here And whooping our ass And I was just tired of it I was just tired of it And I remember The first time Oh this is so embarrassing Not really But first time That I ever got into Like a verbal Like back and forth With somebody Was at the old arena And it was about Steve Iserman Being better than Brett Hull (laughs) And I remember being all in for Holly, and then years pass, and I go, "Oh no, that guy was right." Very that, good. That Pretty guy, good player. That yeah. guy
1: was. That guy was right. Yeah, and yeah. And the thing was, he was banged up, and he was playing what on six knee surgeries or what have you, and he just still kept getting it done. Probably one of the best captains in the history of the NHL. Jamie, it is our Jeremy is so amazing to me that these guys have. It, it, they're
0: almost like. I don't want to say robots, but like I almost kind of feel like to a certain degree, not only do we think that they are, but their bodies kind of operate like this. There is no reason that a 34, 35-year-old Patrick Kane, should be coming back and looking like he's 30-something or whatever. But then you hear that and you think to yourself, boy, what is Detroit getting with Kane? This isn't just a, this isn't just a almost at the end of the road, Kane. Maybe this is some Kane that's got some some left that he can really, you know help Detroit.
1: With- well, Kane, and like you're saying, not only is he physically better, right, but he's going to have some motivation because has, everybody he's, thinks he's done. Yeah, he doesn't want people thinking the the Kane that you saw at the New York Rangers is the guy that he turned into. Uh, I really do think that this is going to motivate him, and he's going to be a good player in Detroit. I think that we're going to be seeing his names in the headlines a lot throughout the, the end of the season here. Obviously, people are going to be paying attention to him and the Red Wings, and look, as you just touched on, Stevie Eiserman, one of the best, he's You know, he's not making this move as a publicity stunt. He obviously thinks he can win. So, um, you know, as much as St. Louis Blues fans don't want to hear Kane having success, and and especially in a Detroit Red Wings uniform, I think we're probably looking at that.
0: I got to tell you, I, I, I hate to say this, but I can envision myself rooting for a team that Patrick Kane is on. Oh, I don't like that. I don't like what this is turning into. But dude, I, I still, I still love Robbie Fabry. I still have Billy Who's Warm in my heart. And then you don't even <laughs> want to start with David Perron. I freaking love that guy. So there's, so there's just, you know, there's some of that. And then also too, with them moving conferences, with them being in the East now, I just don't have the same hatred that I used to. I think I probably should, but I, I just.
1: I just don't. Yeah, we just lost three listeners.
0: (laughs) Probably so. Probably more than that. Or they're going to start yelling at me about
1: Twitter was heating up earlier.
0: (laughs) So you know, one of the things that we definitely you know need to talk about with the Blues um, is it it very much uh, is becoming a a habit or um, something noticeable that when the team gets behind they stay behind. I don't know any other way to say it, that this is not a team that at least so far this year has shown the ability to come back um, when they start the game behind. Uh, When they get ahead, they don't relinquish what do you think that is and to me that's something that they that 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 obviously that they know about and is something that if they can i mean just pull a couple of these out here and there that'll make a freaking huge
1: difference yeah donnie you know when you have a stretch let's just say five or six maybe ten games like that you feel like okay well that's a little bit of a trend yeah but you know it's a small sample size but now we're at 20 games and the Blues are ten and zero when they've scored the first goal of the game. So you, whatever cliche you want to throw out, gain some confidence. Uh, you, you you're able to kind of take the game to the other team uh, when you're up one nothing, two nothing. And I feel like when they have given up the first goal, I think they're what now one seven and one, and the one victory in which the other team scored first, it was Seattle. And then the Blues came back and won in a shootout. So it wasn't a situation where you kind of came back in the game. and right. won. So, yeah, it's night and day through 20 games. Like you said, if, if they get the lead and they play ahead, then they're likely going to win the game. If they don't, then they're going to lose. And, you know, you look at it like, uh, you know, is it a young team? No, there's a lot of veterans. It's not a situation where it's like young guys just don't know how to play with a lead right. or, or come back in a game. Um, And then you look at it like, uh, okay, does this team not have the the right leadership to be able to bounce back in the next period and and, and create like a push? But this group has shown in the past that it can do that. Right. So it's kind of through twenty games, still a bit of a head scratcher as to why the statistics are so cut and dry in terms of playing with a lead, and not playing with a lead. So here's the thing: I don't expect that to stay the same throughout the season. I right. mean, you're not going to go thirty-two and zero when you score first, and oh twenty-nine and three when you do, you know it's just not going to happen that way. Uh, but you know, this team right now, Donnie is sitting in a wild card spot going into this game in, in Minnesota tonight, and I I truly do believe that if they can play more consistently. I think they can be a playoff team. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying they can win two rounds. Yeah. I'm just saying that yes. they can get in the playoffs. But they are not going to get into the playoffs if this trend continues. Yeah, and I saw and I believe
0: that the Athletic had given the Blues an 11% chance of making the playoffs as the as that road trip was was ending last week. And you got to think though, I mean that to me I looked at it and at first and was like god dang it Rutherford and then <laughs> <laughs> I'm canceling but then but then the I'll more I, the more I can't you know what and I I I'll, I cannot cancel the athletic and then you people are going to think that this is like something for for JR because he's here dude 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 my buffalo bills coverage alone is worth the price of the athletic on top of what you give me oh, for the blues to on top of what I get from Katie Wu and the cardinals like so much. And let's just say, I wanted to find out about what the hell's going on with the Indianapolis Colts. Well, then you know what? I can go to The Athletic and there's going to be a ton of... You know, it's just, there is so much information and it's so great. So if people do not have their subscription to The Athletic, I am being the stand for it. They're fantastic and it's so well worth it. But back to what we were saying, 11% chance, and I'm kind of sitting on that and I'm going, you know what? I, I disagree with that, but... If you see them start popping or coming back in a couple of these games, get maybe a game here or there that they shouldn't, then this all kind of turns around. I still think that they have, absolutely can make one of those wild card spots. I don't think that they're going to get very far, and I think that we're going to see a lot of roller coastering for right. the remainder of the way. I think that's what it is. That's what we've talked about before. It's a rebuild. It's a slow rebuild. We're going to have some a couple of weeks where we're thinking, oh boy. Maybe we're ahead of ourselves, and then we might have another week where we go, whoa, exactly. you know, it's just kind of going to be the ebb and flow but of this. But I think if
1: you keep that level head not saying you, but the the people out there as well, is, you know, enjoy the ride, enjoy it for what it is. It's a self-proclaimed retool, and right now, after 20 games, you're sitting at 23 points, and you're just a couple points, three points behind Dallas and, and uh, Winnipeg. And these guys at the top of the central division. So I I think that if that's what you measure it on, you know, it's going to be a fun year. And don't forget, while Doug Armstrong is doing this and you're just selling the athletic, I'm not trying to sell the blues here. I'm just being a realist. There's a lot of great young prospects on the way. Give them time. You know, give the Dvorsky time in Sudbury to develop. You know, give Snuggerud time in Minnesota to develop. And in the meantime, you know, Doug Armstrong, look what he did. He did some bargain basement shopping. He brought in Kevin Hayes, who won the game in in Arizona the other night. Hayes with a breakaway goal, 6-5. What a victory. You know, so this season might not end in a playoff trip, but it looks like the Blues are going to be a competitive team. Yes, there's going to be the Valleys that you talked about here, but in a couple of years, when you're looking at a Dvorsky and a Snuggerit and a Robert Thomas and, and a Jordan Cairo in the lineup, I think you'll look back and go, wow, I, you know, Doug Armstrong did a pretty good job of leading us through that retool, and, and now we're to that point where we can take it to another level.
0: I want to ask about one of those uh, young players uh, in Jake Neighbors, and it seems like, from an outsider looking in, that Jake Neighbors is starting to kind of f- – I don't want to say kind of finally start to get it I don't mean to disparage him at all but it seems Like he's starting to get comfortable Kind of find his role and it seems Like he's starting to make a difference On an almost nightly basis
1: He really is and let me give you a little uh, background Story here is um, I remember years ago I was at a practice And I think Ken Hitchcock again he didn't go on the ice a lot So we're standing each, next to each other Outside the glass and uh, Dimitri Yaskin is out there practicing He's a big kid everybody remembers him Yeah, You know he's got some skill and I Leaned into Hitch and, and I go, listen, I think this kid can be something. He he looks like he's a pretty good player. You know, I'd be shocked if he doesn't turn into something. And Hitch goes, I agree. I think he's going to be a good player. You know this and that. Well, I drive home that day feeling pretty good that the coach agrees. You know what with what I saw with Askin. Well, we know that Askin didn't turn out. So you know, you cover the NHL and the Blues for 19 years. You, you're like, do I have a, an eye that can see that stuff or do I not? So now fast forward to Jake Neighbors. Ever since he arrived, I sit there and go, I think this kid could be something. Now I don't need Hitch to come in and say, yeah, I agree with you. But so for two years, I have felt like this kid looks like he's got the ingredients. And whatever they want him to do, um, he can play a fourth line. He can bump up. uh, And that's what they've done with him recently, obviously, uh, Donnie, is they've bumped him up to the the second line. Now he's playing on the first line. What does he do? He goes out and scores two goals. The power play stinks. What do they do? Put him on the power play, and he's deflecting shots in, in front of the net. He'll do anything. And I really realize young, hungry kids will do that, but he looks like the type of guy who can do it for 10 or 12 years. Good kid, good head on his shoulders, does all the right thing, puts his teammates in good position, and now he's producing. I think we've seen him take that next step.
0: So one of the things that, um, you know, Jamie has told us about um, Coach Barubi's relationships with the players is that he is very honest, straight, and to the point. And so I would think That for a young fellow like Jake Neighbors, if you have got a straight shooter as your head coach, as you're trying to figure it out, that's just probably about as good as you can get. And what is it about Craig Berube that seems to have, and I don't want to say a magic touch, but he seems to have a good ability of knowing how and when to bring these guys along. Robert Thomas being a really great example of that. It felt really slow back then, like, come on, this guy's getting third line, whatever, whatever. But then you see it come to fruition and why they did that. It just seems like Barubi has a really good sense of that with the younger players
1: yeah it's it's baruby it's also doug armstrong it's also the organization whether it be al mckinnis you know watching from the uh, management booth or or you know just the guys in steve the organization, ott. steve ott the yeah. coaches that's the one thing and when i say this you know listen I, i'm basically a, a fan as well and not that i cheer for the team but i'm just sitting there watching like you are right so so anybody who's watching on their tv can see the same things I'm seeing. I just happen to have a, a computer to write about the team. That's why I always look at it. But but I'll say this, and the reason I set it up that way is because I don't want people to think that I'm looking down on anyone when I say this. I think that a lot of opinions are shaped on you turn the game on at 7 o'clock and you see what you see for two and a half hours. Uh-huh. But guess what? Baruby Armstrong, McInnes, uh, they see these guys 24 hours a day they they're see living I mean, with it they see their 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 warts they see what they're working on they see what they told them that they did catch on to they didn't catch on to they see what's taken some time to to kind of uh just uh, you know invest in the guy and have him show you that he wants to work harder on what you're telling them and, and there's so there's so many things behind the scenes that it might look like it's it's taken too long for this guy but Everybody's different and they all develop at different rates. I mean, you can look at a, uh, a Robert Thomas. He had a situation where he either had to go back to junior or stay with the NHL team, and he stayed in the NHL. So he got thrown into the Wolves, right? You got a Kyru who had a busted kneecap, I think, the year that they won the Stanley Cup. So he was going to take a couple, you know, a little while longer to, to get it. You, you look at his defensive irresponsibility the past couple years, what has Craig Berube done? Just continuing to preach it and preach it. And now I feel anyway, some fans don't, the guy on your Twitter doesn't, <laughs> that, that it's, it's better. So these guys do take time. And the only thing I would say is I would just caution that you flip on the tube from 7 and 9.30 – you're not seeing the same stuff that these guys are seeing seven days a
0: week. Yeah, I mean, there is there is a sizable amount that is going on that we don't know, conversations that we don't know, that we only you know, man, that we that we guess about, you yeah. know. And so it's uh, it's just something that's been very fascinating to me because that's another aspect of the game that I just think is so incredibly interesting. You know, when you got a guy, <clears throat> maybe Connor Bedard is a bad or not a great example because of the all world talent that he has, but like. How do you know when you can just take a guy and whoop, all right, kiddo, <laughs> go. Go, and, and we'll shape you along the way. And then other guys, you got to it's, – it's just so fascinating to me because, again, you're talking about a skill set, sure, but you're also talking about a human being that can be maturing at a way different rate than somebody else, and you never know when that's going to
1: click. Yeah, and sometimes it's not by choice. Sometimes it's like, uh, hey, uh, Ryan O'Reilly, can you take the – oh, Ryan's not here. He's in Toronto. <laughs> hey, Robert, can you go up there type thing? And another thing I'll say, Donnie, is – you know, and this isn't 100%, but l- let me throw this out there – There is a massive difference between a first, second overall pick and a number 27 overall pick. Uh, Well, I think Robert Thomas was, what, 21? Um, And then a Jordan Cairo, who is an early second-round pick, and – I realize that you'll have a third round pick come in and surprise everybody and he should have gone in the first round and they missed on this guy. I get that that does happen. But generally speaking, when you have a Conor Bedard, number one overall, you can throw him out there and he's going to fit in, right? Mm -hmm. You know, a a number 21 overall like Robert Thomas, first of all, he's part of that Stanley Cup team, so he did contribute early. But he's still going to take a little bit of time. Then you have a Cairo second round pick. Hey, look, 32 teams, 33 teams passed on him before the Blues took him early in the second round. Um, You know, it's not that he has to take time it's just that generally speaking year after year after year you take a guy in the second round you know that guy's not going to be ready for a while so I, th- I think that does play a role in w- when we talk about the development of these guys
0: it's so crazy too man like and even even in, in talking about like a goaltender because doesn't a goalie have like sort of their own you, uh, th- their own thing that's different than than the skaters as well, right? Like for as far sure. as development
1: goes and all that sort of thing? For sure. I remember uh, Marty Bruder, and I'll take his opinion over anybody's. Uh, he yeah, said pretty he, good. He, good. He, he said he'd like to see a, a goalie play 150 games in the American Hockey League. Well, guess what? That's going to take a couple years, uh, three or four years. Wow. When you look at a lot of these, let's just use the Blues for example, when you look at these uh, goaltenders, when they come up, uh, you know, they're 23, 24, four years old sometimes where they're just getting the backup job. I mean, look at Joel Hofer. I went back and looked, how old was Jake Allen when he kind of took over, you know, the backup role? Uh, You know, that was like 22-ish, 23-ish. Ben Bishop, same thing. So whereas we're looking at the skaters, 18, 19, 20, yeah, you're not looking at goalies like a Hofer this year. Uh, until they're 23, 24. Boy, that is Boy, yeah.
0: that is just something, just absolutely something fascinating about the game. And I can't wait to, you know, as time goes by, you know, we're going to get more books and more reads about th- these athletes and how they develop and the maturity and all that. I, I want to see more of, like, the stuff that Ryan O'Reilly's dad does as well, as far as, like, with player motivation and things like that. Because it all, to me completely ties together with the modern day player you know what I mean I mean it can't just be the skill and the game there's got to be some of this other stuff in there yeah as it's well.
1: fascinating Donnie and I'm assuming that you could go to YouTube and probably find some motivational videos or, or speeches that Ryan O'Reilly's dad uh, has given Brian O'Reilly is his name by the way and uh, uh, just quick story is uh, they did a seminar at CBC High School probably a summer or two ago and I took my 10 year old son Eli and so literally up on stage it's Brian O'Reilly and Ryan O'Reilly and they're talking about growing up and how he pushed him and how he didn't push him at certain points and i get my 10 year old son there and he's listening and at one point brian o'reilly says dads and there's probably like 300 people in the crowd right dads listen are you the guy that's all right buddy on on the the way to the game uh, you know i want to tell you a few things here uh you know you're 10 years old you're playing squirt one you gotta skate hard skate come on skate you know i didn't buy those 400 dollars skates for nothing you gotta skate like and so brian o'reilly's saying that to the crowd and it's a bunch of us dads are kind of going, oh, shoot. Uh, and, and my kid Eli looks at me, throws his hand up in the air, points to Brian O'Reilly, and he's like, uh, dad, uh. <laughs> Dude,
0: no one will call you on the carpet like your own no, kids. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah. He's like, come on. And literally, here we are, what, a year or two later, and anytime I even dream of saying, buddy, you got to get on the fortune. Hey, do you remember what Brian O'Reilly said? Daddy? But But you know what, though, man? Let's...
0: Talk about this though, man. Like, because you obviously you you got two kids that are both athletic, right? But your daughter is as well.
1: Yeah, daughter also. Yeah, yeah.
0: and so like, how? That's like a crazy balance of like, all right, I I want to push these guys. I want them to get as high as they can doing this, but also it's sports, and I know the percentage of people that actually make it. But maybe they could pay for college. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like, how do you? Do you enjoy? Do you have any enjoyment in that? Like, I, I know you do watching your kids, but like, I don't know. I think I'd probably outthink myself if I had athletes as kiddos.
1: Yeah, no, I I do enjoy it. I, I'll go to every practice, every game for my daughter's softball, my son's uh, hockey, baseball, what have you. You know, so watching hockey for a living, and and watching the Blues, and realizing you know what good hockey is, and what what habits these guys have and how hard they work. Yeah, you go to your son's game and you're like, hey, buddy, you, know, I, need you I need you to work here. Um, so I would say that early on, I had no aspirations. I'm not thinking college for these kids. I honestly not. I'm not sitting here thinking, hey, you're going to pay the bills, this type of thing. All I'm saying is in me, I just wanted them to work hard. Uh, and probably some dads, moms out here listening to what I'm saying here. Um, I originally was like that. And then listening to other people who've gone through it, who maybe their kids are twenty twenty two now, and they remember when they were 10, 12, 13, they have told me, A, just enjoy it, and, and B, just let them have fun because that's what it's all about. And I have... I, th- I feel like I've done that recently yeah. and it feels better. It really does. Yeah. And when you go to practice and you go to the game and, and they give it their all and then you just drive home and you talk about, all right, what do you want to do today? You want to go to the park? You want to do this? And, you know, I'm no longer the person who who's saying, you got to shoot it when you get in closer. <laughs> it, it just feels better. And, and I will tell you one more thing is one time when I did jump my son a little bit for not being more aggressive or making a play that was there to be made, um, he said, Dad, listen, I get it, but I had fun today. And I feel, and I just, I'm in the driver's seat just like Melton. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, you got it. Yeah, yeah. man.
0: It's so so hard. My oldest son um, was the only one that did anything really athletic of my three kiddos. And I think the hardest part for me um, was that I was just so happy to be out there helping him coach. And I know that this goes against my like personality, Um, but like, I just wanted him to have fun. And so that when I saw, other parents really getting into their kids or really getting into the umpire man i just hated it a lot yeah because you know man i mean we're out here in south county these kids are eight years old we're playing cyc baseball i think that we need to take account of what's going on here i think we need to do our best to make sure that the kids are locked in i don't you know but also There needs to be more smiles and, like, fun and, like, sunflower seeds thrown at each other. and like You know what I'm saying? Like, it should be equal parts of you (laughs) screwing around and you playing the sport when you're that young, right? (laughs) Like, that's how you have fun. And then you get the bug. And then it's, oh, my God, this is all I want to do. But if somebody forces you to do that or forces you to lock in, man, you're not— you're yeah. gonna you're gonna fight that,
1: man. And to piggyback on that, one other thing that Brian O'Reilly did say in that seminar, Donnie, is he said he said, Listen, how many times have you told your son, Hey, why don't you go out and shoot? Why don't you uh why don't you go downstairs and, you know, fire off fifty shots or something like that? And he goes, How many times have they done it? He said, What you want is you want them to want to do it on their own. Mm-hmm. So if you're doing the dishes, you're vacuuming, and all of a sudden you hear those 50 pucks hitting the wall, that means that your son went downstairs and he wanted to do it. Yeah. And that's a major difference. Yeah, man.
0: Oh, dude. I, honest to God, I, we had a, our basement was unfinished in my parents' house in Floreson. All I wanted to do when I was a kid was play shortstop for the Cardinals. That's it. I mean, I you couldn't because I wanted to. <laughs> right. I right. was going to be the shortstop, dude. We all <laughs> saw Ozzy, and that's what we wanted. But man, like I would take, we would have like these, the you know, like a rubber ball. And I mean, I would take ground ball, ground ball. Gr- I mean, and I would, ju- I would work, I'd do backhands, 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 and then th- like just over, and and nobody made me do it. I just did it because I loved it. Now, the terrible part of that is, although I was a very good defensive player. I was very much afraid of getting hit by the baseball, (laughs) and that does not make a good hitter, Jeremy. When you're ducking out before the pitcher has even gotten to the to the windup, that's probably not a good thing, man. I just remember being in a tournament when I was like 12 years old, and there was a kid that was throwing like was like hitting 80 miles an hour, and I was like, No, no, this isn't going to be for me. I'm just not going to be the guy to make it to the next
1: level. Hey, uh, my my MLB dream died. I'll tell you when I smoked the ball up the middle past the pitcher past second base out to center field i'm feeling really good about this hard base hit you know what they say the best base hit is right up the middle this is great I got one more step to get to first base, and I hear the first baseman snap his glove. He oh. takes he takes the throw from center field, and I'm out. So that was the day I think I started picking up the newspaper and thinking, I could try this writing thing for a little bit.
0: <laughs> oh, JR, that is rough, man. That is a rough ride. Well, thank you very much for hanging with us today. Don't forget, tomorrow uh, uh, we've got Jamie and I are going to be out and about at Twin Peaks, and you can find out all the infra- information at 1057thepoint.com and 101espn.com. We'll be out there from 6 to 8. For Alex Ferrario, Jamie Rivers, our homie, uh, Jeff Burton, Jeremy, thank you so very much for joining us uh, in the uh, the studio here today. Jeremy Rutherford from The Athletic. We'll be back again soon with another episode of the Last Minute Blues Podcast. As always, let's go blues. The
1: Last Minute Blues Podcast.
0: Hear more at 1057thepoint.com.